back to Causey's Conversations. Um, it's been a while, I know. I haven't really done a podcast in several months now, and I do apologize for that, for those that are maybe upset. I doubt anyone really is, but you know, I just, um, I've been wanting to get back to this for a while now, and I, I figured, you know, it's important to, to continue uh, uploading content like this, and I just I wanted to uh, to do this, and I, I, I felt like this was the right time to get back into it, especially with with just with everything that's going on with the you know kind of the quarantine, the the social distancing stuff. Um, so, but but this podcast, this episode is not going to be me um, just talking about any particular topic. This is actually going to be a sermon that I am uh, going to um, basically edit into this podcast. Um, and so after I kind of conclude. Um, I will, um, you'll, you'll basically hear me preaching. Um, so, um, yeah, I am, um, I'm up, I'm putting it up, uh, just so that folks can, I guess, uh, hear a sermon. Um, if they want to hear a sermon, you know, if not, that's cool too. Um, but I feel like it'd be cool to just put up my, my sermon for class that, um, my professor, uh, Dr. McCarty, um, he recorded. And so, um, it's about basically the, the, the sermon is basically just about how to detect, uh, false teaching and w- how to respond to it. So I'm, I, in my sermon, I go through Colossians chapter two, and um, in that, um, I uh, basically uh, just talk about how Paul, like how Paul does uh, what he says to uh, the church of Colossae and how that relates to us. Uh, him just how he explains how to. Uh, handle false teaching and um so yeah if you're a lord of the rings fan you'll enjoy this one just because uh spoiler alert there is a uh, lord of the rings illustration in the sermon so if you've never seen you know uh, lord of the rings and you don't want to spoiler um maybe skip ahead um for a good bit after you know until after i i finish that illustration so um Anyway, um, you know, I hope you enjoy it. Um, feel free to to message me, contact me, just give me feedback if you if you feel the need to. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, God bless. Bibles to Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen through twenty three. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, 
but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your gospel that you've provided for us. God, we love you so much. We praise you for who you are. And despite our struggles, despite our trials, despite this terrible time in our world, this pandemic, God, you are still good and you're still God. And you're on your throne reigning and ruling today. And God, you also command us through this passage to, to call out false teaching, to rebuke the false teacher, and to practice grace and peacemaking throughout that process. God, thank you for who you are in us, in your son's name. Amen. So throughout church history, we have seen many heresies and false teachings that have crept up into the Christian church throughout the years, throughout the centuries. When I say the word false teaching and, and heresy, uh, I mean those synonymously. So if I, if I ever bring up one word or the other, I'm referring to, to those things synonymously. So just for your information, I want to provide that uh, just not to cause any confusion. So throughout church history, we've seen false teachings come up, and, 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 and essentially every heresy or false teaching that we see today is not new. It's, it's been here before. And Paul, in, in the, uh, to the church of Colossae, he writes to them, warning them about these false teachers that existed within, within their church and, and, and outside their church, in their town, in their culture, and he warns them on how to respond to that. So We've, we, we understand that false teaching is, is a serious error, uh, and we, we understand that false teaching is something that we should deal with. Before I get into this passage, though, I'd like to share with you an illustration. Many of you might know the movie series called Lord of the Rings. Uh, you might have read the book. J.R. Tolkien uh, wrote that, and uh, it's a great series. If you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with Lord of the Rings, uh, it, it's essentially about two hobbits named Frodo and Samwise, and they're on a mission to Mordor to destroy a ring that's in their possession. This ring was created by a creature named Sauron, and this ring was, is used, essentially, or could be used to control the world or to, for him to dominate the world if he possesses it. So they're obviously trying to destroy this ring to save Middle-earth, and they are on this journey to Mordor to do this. Now, on the way, Samwise is essentially Frodo's protector, and he's every step of the way protecting him uh, from any danger that might come their way. So along the way, they meet a creature named Gollum, very interesting creature, and Frodo over, slowly over time begins to trust him, but Samwise doesn't. Samwise sees that this creature, Gollum, is full of deception, full of deceit. He wants to protect his friend Frodo and help him keep him safe physically so that he is able to, to complete his mission, but also just because he cares about him. So we see that throughout this, this series. And at one point we see Frodo and Samwise engage in conversation and Samwise points out that, that Gollum means to harm them both. Frodo does not listen to this and essentially rejects what he has to offer in terms of advice, sends him on his way, Samwise on his way. And, and a lot of bad things happen as a result 
as, as a result of those, those actions. But Samwise was, was willing to have a hard conversation with Frodo to save his life in a physical way. Now, physical protection is absolutely important for us. We should all be willing to protect our family and our loved ones. But what's more important than physical protection? I would say arguably spiritual protection, spiritual safety is even more important, especially of those that are pastors, Sunday school teachers, lay leaders, uh, deacons, anyone that has kids, parents. When, when you are teaching or when you, are, you have authority over others in, your, in a spiritual sense, you, are, you have the task and you are obligated to protect them every step of the way. And that includes protect them from false teachers. That is an important task that God has called all of us to do. And so I want to make it clear that that, that, that is important for us to do this. Titus chapter, uh, chapter 1 verses 10 through 11 says, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. So Paul there in that letter uh, to Titus clearly says we are to silence false teachers. We are to, to stop others from spreading teachings that are heretical. So in summary, before we begin looking at this passage, I want to say that, that this passage, in summary, in this passage, Paul is directing Christians. He's giving us a clear directive on how to both detect false teaching around us and then respond to it in a biblical way, in a Christ-like way. He is calling us to do that, and this passage tells us how to do so. So this, this passage has two main points that I'm going to bring up, two major points. And within those two points, there, there's a few minor points I'm going to flesh out. But before I, I get into the, the heart of this passage, I want to point out to you, in, in verse 16, it says, Paul says, therefore, you might think that's an insignificant word, but that word there, therefore, is very important because it connects the, 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 uh, the passage that, that we're looking at today theologically with the previous passage. In, in the pre previous pericope, we see that Paul is, is telling the believers there in Colossae to find their spiritual fulfillment in Christ. And not in, in uh, find their and not to find their spiritual fulfillment in what the false teachers have to say. So that's the, the kind of the previous passage there that we we've seen. But this passage that we're looking at today stresses Paul is stressing to us: this is how you actually detect false teaching, and this is how you respond to it faithfully. So my first point is how to detect false teaching. That's what Paul is, is telling us here in the first part of this passage. Specifically in verses 16 through 17, he, he refers to us specifically to a, a, a term you're probably familiar with. Uh, he doesn't specifically uh, highlight this word, but he's highlighting the concept here. We can detect false teaching by seeing legalism. Legalism is often followed by false teaching. In Colossians chapter 2, Verses 16 through 17, Paul says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So Paul there refers to 
to these practices that these false teachers are encouraging the believers to participate in, specifically in regards to food and drink. These, these false teachers are saying, do, do, not, do not participate in eating this food and drinking this drink. If you read the Old Testament, we see that there are many rules and regulations regarding food. But if you look, there's really not any, any passage that I'm aware of that uh, are related to abstaining from any particular drink. So from this detail, we can, we can fairly, uh, not be completely certain, but we can know to an extent, Paul is probably not referring to uh, typical Judaism, pure Judaism. He's, he's probably referring to as kind of a synchronistic form of, of Judaism and paganism. So Paul says that, that you are not to let anyone pass judgment in regards to these things or regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a, obviously an important day for many people. Even today, many people believe that we should follow um, Scripture by, by having a Sabbath, by keeping the Lord's day holy and, and resting and just enjoying the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. Paul's not saying that that's wrong. He is just simply saying that these false teachers are, are saying that you have to follow these rules and regulations in order to be saved, and you do not. These do not save you. These practices do not save you, and this is a form of legalism. John MacArthur in his uh, commentary says that legalism is the belief or a view that argues that a person's spirituality is based on human achievement. And I agree with that definition, and I, I believe Paul is pointing that out here, that this, this form of legalism, this is a major thing that highlights, is highlighted in this false teaching. Now, why do we not follow these rules and regulations? It's simple. Verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, and the substance belongs to Christ. That these things are just a shadow. They point to a greater thing. But that greater thing, that greater person is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus himself. That's who we find our fulfillment, our spiritual salvation in. It's not in these rules and regulations. So we're able to detect false teaching by seeing legalism. And then Paul moves from kind of the topic of legalism to a, another maybe familiar topic to all of us here. That is mysticism. In verses 18 and 19, Paul says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. So there in, in verse 18, we see Paul is, is, is specifically referring to certain practices that these false teachers are encouraging these believers to participate in, specifically Worshiping angels and participating in having these visions uh, of spirituality. All of these things are a form of mysticism. Again, John MacArthur says in his commentary that, that mysticism is understood to be an attempt to, by a person to experience a subjective form of spirituality at a higher level. That's what these false teachers were doing. They were trying to experience God maybe in a higher way, in a better way than they thought others could. And so these false teachers were encouraging the Christians do the same 
And Paul says, no, do not let them do that. Do, do not let them in, insist on these things. And as a result of, of these false teachers doing and, and practicing these things, they were puffed up in their mind without reason. They didn't have a reason to be puffed up spiritually uh, in, in, the, in their minds, but, but they were because of their subjective experiences. And, and, and Paul says here, I, I believe, that, that the reason why they are not essentially being fed spiritually is because they are not holding fast to Christ. The reason why they are practicing these things and seeking a higher spiritual fulfillment is because they're not connected to the head, which is Christ. Earlier on in Colossians, we see that Christ is referred to the head. Throughout Scripture, we see this time and time again. Jesus is the head. That means he is the source of our spiritual fulfillment and maturity. The false teachers are not able to grow truly, so they seek these other mystical experiences. And we are to not, Paul says, we are not to pursue those things. He, he was telling the, the, the believers there in Colossae not to pursue these things. So that's how you detect false teaching. If you see legalism or mysticism, that's a, a good determining factor that that's a false teaching. Now, how do we respond to it? In verses 20 through 23, Paul says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? In verse 20 and 23, he says, These have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So simply put, Paul is stressing to the church in Colossae, you are not, the, the way to respond to false teaching is to reject it, simply. I know that might seem kind of obvious here, but it's, it's very important. We are to reject false teaching, both inwardly and outwardly. We are to see these false teachings for what they are, that they are, go against the gospel of Christ, and we pursue them head on in terms of rejecting them. We, we reject them by saying, no, we are not going to follow these rules and regulations. We are not going to seek these visions and practices that you are. We are instead going to submit to Christ, who is the head, who is the source of our spiritual fulfillment. And why? Why, do we, why would we go to these other practices? Paul even says here at the, at the latter part of this passage, these practices have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Why pursue them? There's no reason to, except to, to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But instead, these false teachers perhaps would say, no, they, they do fulfill our spiritual needs, but they don't stop the flesh, our temptations of the flesh. They don't stop us from lusting. They don't stop us from lying. They don't help us in any such way. They are burdens upon us. And that's what Paul was making clear in this passage. So what do we do with this? What's, why would we care about this? And how do we use this in our own life? There's a few practical points I want to point out today. Uh, number one, Ensure that you are not accepting false teaching on a personal level. Before you're able to even handle false teaching on a corporate level or a congregational level, 
Ensure that you yourself are not assuming any false teaching or heresy. I encourage you to research church history, read the creeds, but most importantly, read scripture. That is our, our, our authority. That is the standard of our faith and practice. And that's what we should look to first and foremost. But it's, it's great to read church history and, and all these other, other things. Uh, the creeds are great because they're kind of our guardrail of our faith. But our authority is Christ and his word. So we're to, to I believe, first evaluate us. If, if we're pastors, if we're going to be pastors, we have to make sure that we believe in orthodox teaching first and foremost. Now, you might say, well, Jared, what are some examples of this false teaching today? I'm glad you asked. A few examples that we see today are, first off, uh, one in particular, Arianism. Arianism is the belief that Jesus was only fully man. He was not God. He was but a creature made by God. Um, if, if you're wondering, where does this exist? I don't hear people talk about Arianism. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe this. There are other cults similar to them that believe this, but that's probably the most popular one today. Um, so that's one. Another heresy that we see is the kenosis heresy. Uh, the kenosis heresy is the belief that Jesus emptied out his divinity when he became a man. Uh, the, a, a particular example of this is found within the New Apostolic Reformation, specifically Bethel. Many of you know about their music, Bethel. But Bethel teaches, uh, Bill Johnson, their pastor, specifically teaches Jesus lived in right relationship with God, but he did not live as God. He did not uh, perform these miracles that he did as God. He performed them simply as man. This is a heresy that we are to reject. So that's another example. Another that many of you are probably familiar with is the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel teaches that God desires for you to be wealthy, happy, healthy, while these are, are great things, I believe, I'm not knocking on those um, being wealthy or whatever, I'm not knocking on that, that's not the means of, uh, that's not what we receive within our salvation. When we approach Christ for who he is, our, our intentions aren't to, to, to receive Christ and then receive all of these benefits. That's not the intention. That's not what we should be intending in that sense. We should be focused on Christ and, and pursue him for who he is. You might know several prosperity gospel teachers, Joel Olstein, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland. He lives here around this area. Uh, many of them teach this prosperity gospel, and so we are to reject it. Uh, many in the prosperity gospel have claimed to have mystical experiences, uh, visions, and, and all kinds of practices that are not found in Scripture. Uh, Benny Hinn, you might have seen some of his uh, videos of people being slain in the Spirit. This is not a practice that's found in scripture and I think we should reject. And so there's a lot of also legalism within the prosperity gospel movement. It's do this and you'll receive blessing. Give to this preacher, this televangelist, and you'll receive a blessing from the Lord. This is something we should reject. Another example of a heresy that we see today is the liberation theology. This theology, this position, believes uh, that, that the gospel intends to break chains of social injustices first and foremost, rather than saving sinners from their sin. This teaching, it seems to have a lot of legalism within it. Uh, I, I don't know that many people within it that would claim that, oh, they're, they're legalistic or whatever. But the way they, they approach their theology, it seems very legalistic in the, in the sense that they 
they say that if you are you really are a Christian, you should care about the poor and the outcast, and by doing so, you should believe in this type of health care or this type of immigration system. That that's that's kind of their assumption there. Now, taking care of the poor and the outcast is is what we should be doing as Christians, but that is not the purpose of the gospel in of itself. That is a kind of an outworking of the gospel. As we are growing in Christ, we begin to serve others, we love others, we take care of others, especially in times like this. But the purpose of the gospel is not simply just to uh, break these chains of social injustices. So I want to I want to point that out. And then finally, Roman Catholicism, uh, the Roman Catholic Church uh, teaches that we are saved by our works and faith. We are not saved by faith alone, according to their, their uh, theological system. The Council of Trent says, has uh, stated that. And so, as a result, this would fall under legalism. We are to reject this teaching and to warn others that are in the Roman Catholic Church to reject it as well. Now, I understand there are many in the Catholic Church that I've, that I've ran across that I believe are regenerate, that they're, they're saved, they're Christians. I believe so, and I thank God for that. But the gospel within Roman Catholicism is not a gospel that can save. If those people that are saved are saved despite it, not because of it. So that's number one. I wanted to give some practical examples of, of heresy or false teaching today. Uh, so the first, the first application of this uh, point was to make sure we're not assuming or agreeing with any of those uh, belief systems. I could, I could have brought up a few more. Modalism is another example. Um, but... I, I don't have time to go through all of them today. I wish I could, but we're, not, we're not unable to. But another point, application point, is that I would like to encourage you to warn others about false teaching that, that agree with, with heresies or false teachings. And, and there are two types of people that will, you'll run across in, in, in this case. Number one, those that agree with false teaching, but they do so ignorantly. So they're not intending to agree with false teaching. They, they don't even really know they agree with it, almost. They just kind of assume it and just, kind of pick it up in their life, you have to be gracious and, and patient with them. Don't yell at them. Don't yell and call them a heretic. That's not helpful. Lovingly point them to the gospel. Make sure they believe in the true gospel. And then understand that God will do the work uh, according to his will. It, we can't force people to, uh, to be saved or to believe in the gospel or to change their mind on certain things. We just have to lovingly point them to the truth and let God do the rest. And I want to make a special note here that th these people that are that that kind of ignorantly believe in, in certain uh, heresies, they are probably the majority of the people that that I would uh, assume that are in your congregation that, that agree with false teaching. I'm not saying everyone in your your church is, is a heretic, but those that are, agree with false teaching uh, in your church, they probably are just ignorant to the orthodox position. And so I would, I would say be very careful when you're approaching people regarding this. Don't, don't come at them and with guns a-blazing. Uh, don't, don't be a heretic hunter. Be someone that, be a pastoral person. Go, with, go to them in love and grace and seek to point them to the truth. Um, the, other, the other category of people in this, involved in this is, are those that are false teachers. They agree with false teaching. They've been shown the truth. They know that, okay, this is the orthodox position, but I reject that position now. I agree with heresy now, essentially. They might not say heresy, but they just, okay, I get that this has been the orthodox position 
for centuries, but I reject that. People like this, are you treat them a little bit differently. You present to them the gospel. You be loving and gracious. You don't yell at them still. Um, answer, you, you, they're going to present you with you to you accusations and questions. Answer those questions. Pray for them. And even though you're, you're still gracious, understand that this person is a wolf, perhaps. That if they are in your church, they are looking to deceive people. And you are to, perhaps, I know this is sort of controversial, but church discipline might need to be a thing you, you look into as a pastor. Now, if you're not a pastor, there are other ways to deal with this. To, you, know, you can just consult with your pastor, talk with him, um, and, and such as that. But just make sure that, that you handle this in grace, but also in truth. And so those are kind of the, the two categories there. But I want to leave with, with you on this because this is very important, I think. The last thing I can encourage you to do is encourage your church not to associate with false teachers known false teachers. Paul and the other apostles would surely object to any and all positive association with false teachers. Yet many of our churches allow and encourage the worship leaders to lead the congregation in songs written by known false teachers. This practice should be reevaluated by all pastors in love and, and, and in wisdom. If you have a, if you, agree and you're convicted by this, it's, this is not to say go on a, a, uh, a verbal uh, tirade and, and yell at your pastor or anything like that. It's to lovingly help them consider it. Walk them through the process of evaluating what you're doing as a church. Or if you're a pastor yourself, evaluate, reevaluate what you're doing in terms of how you relate to these false teachers. When you play a song by Bethel, are you uh, supporting their theology? Are you uh, in any way financially supporting them? We, that, that's something that I hope you will, will consider, but I'm not going to force you uh, or call you a heretic yourself just because you agree with me, don't agree with me on that, uh, that conclusion. But that is something I believe all Christians can and should consider. And then lastly, many of our churches should, and congregations should consider not doing Bible studies and other uh, you know, other Sunday school curriculum activities that are written by false teachers. I think this is something we should all reevaluate so that we can honor God and honor the gospel and not to unintentionally lead new believers down a wrong path. So in conclusion, I just want to say that, that, that false teaching is something that all of us should be aware of and we should all respond to graciously and based on what scripture clearly says to us. And the most important thing is to keep the gospel in the, in the forefront of your mind and your heart and to present the gospel day in and day out. And that will be the first um, defense against false teachers. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you so much for your gospel. I thank you so much for your word. God, just please help us, uh, God, be able to, to, to see false teaching where it's at and to be able to respond to it in a, in a gracious way, in a truthful way, in a way that honors you. I pray for my brothers here. I pray that God, that you would lead them and guide them, help them see uh, any false teachings that exist within their own lives or in the lives of others. And uh, God, I just ask that you would 
continue to refine them, to sanctify them, and to keep them pursuing you. In your son's name, amen.